0: Good morning and Merry Christmas to all. Well, outside of creation itself, I think the second most profound thing that has ever happened on planet Earth is Christmas. I love that, oh, come all ye faithful. It says, there it is, our Christ became in human flesh. God came in human flesh. It's interesting in talking to people and asking them, do you know why it's 2022? Most of them have no idea. Well, it's 2022 years from what? I, I'm amazed because when I've, I've been through the Soviet Union, right after the Iron Curtain fell, back in the late 80s, I would ask the, on the streets, communists, do you know why it's the year it is? 1987? They all immediately go, that's the year Jesus was born. It's interesting that it was such a historical fact that the communist communist history books couldn't hide that. They just had to say there is no God, but to those who believe there's a God uh, in Christianity, they believe this is when uh, their Messiah was born. They, they knew it. And I was shocked. Because in, in America, I couldn't find anybody who knew that but for whatever reason the entire earth's dating system was rebooted and all of a sudden it's history before christmas day and then history after christmas day and it's had staying power you know, they didn't do it for a couple hundred years. And then there, there was another cataclysmic event on earth that that changed that. Now, the Antichrist is going to change that. That's one of the signs of times. He's going to change the times and the seasons. There's no doubt when the Antichrist appears on earth, he's going to say no more of that 2000, whatever, 23 probably <laughs> um, stuff. Uh, the Lord's uh, coming soon, no doubt. But yes, it, it is an amazing event when we think about it all the earth stops it's amazing how many countries that now the amount of christians is so low they they are considering them secular societies like sweden and denmark and and so forth but yet they celebrate christmas Interesting that one of the biggest complaints about Christmas this year, mostly from the millennials, as you can imagine, was that it doesn't deliver what it claims to deliver. So you got all the bright lights, you got all the happy music, you got all the special food. But yet when it comes to Christmas Day or Christmas afternoon, they find themselves very empty. Because it delivered that, you know, this is where, you know, the Hallmark movies, right? The snow is falling and everything's perfect. And, and you find the one you love and you give them a kiss under the mistletoe. And, and ah you know, the, the angels are singing. And then you go off to a, a perfect, you know, log cabin <laughs> in the woods there or whatever. People want connection. People want more meaningful connection. They, they hope that they have a deeper family connection on Christmas. People sort of have an expectation on, on people that they'll just have a heart to be of good cheer and to be nicer, kinder. We made the mistake of having to go to the mall last Saturday. There's something my wife wanted to buy for our daughter-in-law that she hadn't done yet. and Nobody had the Christmas chair out there. You know, we're from San Diego. They, they don't drive like they do here. But it was like, forget you, buddy. Uh, I'm, I'm going to get to the mall before you do, or I'm going to get that parking place, and you're not. And it was like, wow. No Christmas cheer this year. It's all about getting to the mall and buying stuff, right? It is every year. We've really commercialized it. But when you really think about it, Christmas it's not about so many things. We've, we've sort of done that to it, but it really is about one thing. And most people don't even know, when we were out here at the booth for the Moore Christmas Fair there, we repeatedly asked people, do you know what the celebration of Christmas is about? Especially elementary kids and junior high kids and high school kids, Not a clue. Not a clue. They did not know it was about Jesus' birth. The one girl, when we said, junior high girl, my wife said, yeah, you know, it's about Jesus' birth. Oh, yeah, sort of like Halloween. Somebody was born then too, right? That was her statement. And and, and it's like, can you tell us one thing about Jesus? We just asked that question repeatedly. I mean, we're talking white, upper middle class, you live in Rossmore. upper middle class people. And repeatedly, they couldn't tell us one thing about Jesus. And when we said, would you like to know how to have eternal life? Man, yes, I'd like to know how to have eternal life. And we shared the gospel, so many hearts were touched. But it blows my mind how parents, thinking themselves that they're helping their kids telling them nothing about God, especially Christianity, because it's not woke. (laughs) It's not supposed to be. If Christianity is woke, it's not Christianity, whatever that Christianity is. But they think that they're doing their kids a favor by not telling them, keeping the board slate clean so then they can decide on God in their adult life. And I said, if you're not teaching your kids values, who is? Because somebody's teaching them. Somebody is telling them, and I guarantee you it's the, the government these days. And unfortunately, if our government and public schools is teaching your kids values, your kids are in serious, serious trouble. But I come to this one verse in Isaiah 9 where Christ was prophesied 700 years in advance. 700 years before Christ would be born, Isaiah prophesied, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. Now, it doesn't really focus on the child being born. It talks about the son being given, and it goes on to talk about how one day the government will be on his shoulders, and his name would be wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, and he goes on. So when we look at, at the Christmas story there's the human side about the baby being born. That's what we observed. God in human flesh as a vulnerable, helpless little child. And of course he was born in a barn, which wasn't a very good circumstance. Born of a virgin which first time that's ever to come up. You know that's crazy. But the focus is really on the son that was to be given from the heavenly perspective. God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten, his unique one son. And so it actually is building on a prophecy that was two chapters earlier in Isaiah chapter 7 verse 14. Ahaz, let me give you a little background on Isaiah seven fourteen. Ahaz was a wicked king, and he had enemies coming against him. And God, who typically, with loving kindness and tender mercies, tried to lead people to repentance, says, Isaiah, go tell this wicked king Ahaz that Israel's my people, and I will bless them and protect them and And tell Ahaz, no matter how great the armies come against you, I will not let them defeat you. And tell him it's okay. He can ask any sign in heaven and earth today, at that moment, when you prophesy to him, that I'll do for him to confirm that he has no worries of the upcoming battles. So Isaiah went and told Ahaz, but Ahaz was so hard-hearted. He's like, oh, that's nice, Isaiah. Thank you, little prophet. Uh, no, 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 I don't need to have a sign. Who am I to bother God? I'm just a little old guy. And, and you know, I, I don't, I don't want to disturb the Almighty, you know. And then Isaiah said, Thus saith the Lord. It's one thing to weary men, but will you weary my God? God's going to give you a sign. And that's verse Verse 14 say seven fourteen. Therefore, the Lord Himself will give you a sign: behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. There's going to be a virgin, and she will conceive and bear a son, and his name or his nature is Emmanuel, which is the word God. With us. So God in his upsetness over Ahaz says, Well, I'll teach you a lesson. <laughs> what lesson are you going to teach me? I'm going to give you a baby who is Emmanuel God with us. That God of the Old Testament's pretty pretty mean guy, isn't he? And so. We come now into the New Testament where Mary was told by the angel Gabriel she was going to have a son. And she was to name him. Actually, what he would actually be called and name would be Yahshua. Yah, God, Shua, salvation. God, my salvation. In English, we say Joshua. In the Greek, which we have adapted because the gospel was originally preached to the world in Greek we receive the name Jesus, which is the Greek way of saying Joshua or Yahshua. Now Mary was like, hey, I'm a virgin. How can I give birth? And, and the Gabriel explained it to her in Luke 1.35. The angel answered and said to her, Mary, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore, also the Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Wow. We know back in Isaiah seven fourteen, he, she would bear a son. His name would be Emmanuel, God, with us. But now she's told that this son that would be given unto us now is the Messiah, a term for the Messiah, the Son of God. Now we got to just read the Christmas story this morning. And the best way to see it is through the eyes of the shepherds. So in Luke 2, verse 8 through 20, now there was in the same country shepherds living in the fields, keeping their watch over their flocks by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them. The glory of God shone around about them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy that will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, here it is, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, laying in a manger. And suddenly there was the angel, a multitude of heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and earth, peace, goodwill towards men. So it was when the angels had gone away from them into to heaven that the shepherds said to one another, let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing which will come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in the manger. Now, when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all those who heard it marveled at those things which were told them by the shepherd. And Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. Then the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen. And it was told to them. So they We're amazed, seeing the angel, seeing the baby in a barn. (laughs) And there's Mary, and and they've been told he's the Messiah that was prophesied throughout the Old Testament. Here he is. We're, we're, We're experiencing the most important moment in human history. And we're here. We were told about it by God through his angels, we were the ones that were told, not the kings, not the, you know, millionaires row in Jerusalem. <laughs> Us poor little guys out here, the least in the caste system of the day. But often in God's eyes, the least are the greatest. And so he, they saw this great host of heaven. They were told to go check it out and they were then witnesses and they went everywhere they could through the town and and told everybody what had happened and this babe lying in the manger. I wonder how many people came. And of course, remember later the wise men were told of God and they followed the star. It was a great event, not just for Jews, but even reaching into the Gentile, the Arab world of that day. He is indeed the only begotten son of God. I like in the Spanish it says unico. He's the only unique one. Unique. The only one none other similar. In John 3:16 and 17 it says for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. God did not send his son in the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. So why did God send his son? Because he loves us and he doesn't want us to perish. He wants us instead to not perish, to have an abundant eternal life with him. And so the greatest thing Jesus would do would not be unto us a child being born. That was just a short little time span that was powerful god in human flesh but the the powerful thing is that that baby would come and be a man and be as the messiah and give his life as a sacrifice for our sins in first john 4:10 and this is love not that we love god but that he loved us and here it is again sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. What does that mean? The payment for our sins. Not one or two sins, but a lifetime of sins. Christ, when he hung on the cross, died for the sins of the whole world. He was the propitiation. On the cross, he said, It is finished, or to tell us, die, paid in full. He now is the sacrifice for and paid for all the sins of all men. So when we look at the Old Testament, it comes to an end about 300 years after Isaiah's prophet, prophecy. The last prophet was Malachi, and the people were just so numb spiritually. They're just like it's so hard to come to Jerusalem to worship, and we got to walk uphill, and we got to go to the temple and give a sacrifice, and then we got to tithe, and, and 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 then the priest were to inspect the sheep to make sure they're without spot, without blemish, because the Messiah would be perfect. But the sheep were the priests were so lethargic. I don't care if it's blind. I don't care if it's got a missing leg. <laughs> use it. I, I don't care. They were all this way, as the society today is. We're in a society exactly as God described it before the rapture would come. But God just said, okay, stop. Keep your tithe. Don't don't give me any more tithe. Don't bring any more offerings. Don't bring any more sacrifices. I'm sorry. God says, I want to personally apologize to you. As little as I ask of you, that it's a burden on you for our relationship to exist. So forgive me for being a burden on you. No more. Don't do it anymore. I don't receive it. Even if you give a sacrifice, I don't receive it. Give an offering, I don't receive it. Give a tithe, I'm not going to reward you for it. Just stop. I'm sorry that I wore you guys out. There was 400 years of silence. And then the first prophecy came once again through a guy by the name of John the Baptist who is telling people that they were in their sins and that by keeping the Jewish law would not forgive them of their sins. That they needed true, a taking away of sins. And only the Messiah through his sacrifice could do that. So the first words after 400 years of silence, John the Baptist in John one twenty nine says, The next day, he saw Jesus coming towards him and said, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. For the first time in human history, the Messiah can do something that no man can ever do. And that's by being the Lamb of God. So God says, you're unwilling to give a lamb. You're unwilling to give your tithes. You're unwilling to give sacrifice. You're unwilling to give offerings. You're unwilling to... Worship me in any way that takes any amount of effort or sacrifice from you. It's okay. I'll give all the sacrifice. I'll give my only begotten son. No greater gift can a man give than to lay down his life for somebody. But this is God himself coming to be the lamb that man was unwilling to give. God gave his lamb to take away the sin of the world. This is so substantial. In 2 Corinthians 5, 21, it says, For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. So not only does he take away our sin, he gives us as a gift his righteousness. This is the gospel, guys. It's this simple In 1 Corinthians 15, 3 and 4, I delivered you first of all that which I received. This is it, guys. It's not complicated. A child can hear it and understand it. It doesn't take a long time. It takes a fraction of a second. Number one, Christ died for our sins according to the scripture. Second, he was buried. Third, he rose again on the third day according to the scriptures. Jesus makes it clear without the shedding of blood in this payment, for our sins, there is no salvation. In John fourteen six, Jesus said, "I alone am the way, the truth, and the life. No one count them up. No one comes to the Father. No one has everlasting life. Nobody goes to heaven except through Jesus and His sacrifice." There was a man who would not think about spiritual things. His wife was very spiritual. And in one snowy Christmas, actually a Christmas morning, his wife went off to church. And the man stayed home as the fireplace was rumbling and the windows open and Christmas tree in front of the window. And he hears this slamming. And he gets up and And he notices there's this bird, it's an extra cold winter, trying to get in to the warmth of the house, but it keeps slamming itself up against the window. So he goes over just a few feet from the window is the front door. And he leaves it open, but the bird keeps slamming itself against the window. He knows this thing's going to die. He goes over to the front door and and stands in front of the window and and tries to get the bird to come, but it just flies away where he, he can't see it. But in a few minutes later, it's slamming itself against the window. And the guy just found himself getting very disturbed and sad over this bird. And he thought, man, if I could just right now become a bird (laughs) and explain to this bird, follow me and fly him in through the door, I would gladly have him even nest in our Christmas tree if he wants. But no matter how hard I try, This thing will not receive any communication of whatever kind I try to give it. And at that moment, it dawned on him because his life had been crashing for decades. And the Lord just spoke to his heart, you are that bird. You're the one crashing up against the window over and over again. And I have come as a little bird, (laughs) a babe in the manger to show people the way and to do far more than just giving them away values, morals to follow. I gave them the sacrifice to pay for all of their sins. At that moment, his stubborn heart for decades was broken. In John 1, 9 through 11, it says this, this was the true light, talking about Jesus, which gives light to every man who comes into the world. He was in the world. The world was made through him. The world did not know him. He came to his own, the Jews, and his own did not receive him. Today we are observing the same thing in the world. They won our holidays. I mean, how many people say, my favorite holiday is Christmas? But as they get older, they say it just doesn't deliver. (laughs) It doesn't give me the family connection. It gives me the hope of some warm feelings while I'm in the middle of the movie. It gives me some traditions. I'm not sure why we do these things. But they're trying to have a Christless Christmas. And all the frills are there, but the emptiness is great. And how gracious God is to cause the world. And let me tell you, the Muslim world knows about Christmas. (laughs) The Jewish world knows about Christmas. The Hindu world knows about Christmas. Just like they know about the Super Bowl. They don't play American football, but they watch Super Bowl. They know. But yet, in the Western culture that was dominated by the last 200 years, no more. Two weeks ago, the UK, which was the you know first Germany was the, the foundation of Christianity, the spread. and then England was the Christ, Christian foundation. But two weeks ago they said now in the UK that the Muslim religion is the religion of England. no longer Christianity. There's more Muslim churches, there's more Muslim people than there are Christians. And we are heading that way. If you look at the stats in America, the same thing. People want Christmas without Christ. And so many now don't even know about this. It's interesting how man is right now. They continue to break God's order of things. There's not a man and a woman. There's more genders. They're continuing wanting to... To, to break God's divine rules. And they're suffering the bitter consequences of that. We're, we're, when, when people used to say, well, you know, they, they run around naked in, in Africa. Yeah, do you want to go live there? where they didn't have the same morals as us, would not be a nation you'd want to live in. And now we're becoming this valueless, moralist society, and we're changing it, making good evil and evil good turning on its head, going, aren't we progressive? And you're going, it's nowhere I want to live. (laughs) But where are we to go? Where are we to flee? Europe? Oh man, they're 30 years ahead of us in this tragic non-Christian world. It's interesting how man who is perverted in his way and suffering the consequences blames God. They don't believe in God, but if he does exist, I blame him. I blame him for the pain. I blame him for the misery. I blame him for this messed up life. They have these false concepts about about God. Oh, God's cruel. God's unjust. God's narrow-minded. God hates us. God is is a miserable person making us miserable. All this is such a lie. There's no truth in it. But even in the midst of this, unto us a child is born. Isn't that amazing? Unto us a son is given. Why do we give presents? Because that's the spirit of Christmas. Why do we sing Christmas carols? Because God set it up that way. (laughs) He invented Christmas. He knew that we would have these angels singing. He knew he'd have this baby, not born in some sterile hospital or in some millionaire's house or in some king's palace, but of two very poor people from a very bad city of Nazareth who had to travel 90 miles to come to Bethlehem and there was no room for them in the end. And, and this story is unique over and over again. But yet, God gave great gifts. We give gifts to one another. God had the angel practicing for a million years. The choir, were oh, you we ever going to sing this? Oh, yeah, Christmas Day's coming. Keep practicing. And they sang a handful of shepherds. What? Who was in charge of the marketing for this thing? No, it was exactly the way it's supposed to be. So unto us, this son was given. He went about telling the truth of God the Father. He went about healing the sick, feeding his followers, turned the sorrows into joy by restoring the dead. He gave them a taste of the kingdom. What? Yes. That's what's happening at Christmas time. It's a tiny little sprinkling of the rain to come, it's a tiny little taste of the kingdom to come. We can sense it, can't we? At Christmas time, we can sense this almost heavenly desire that we don't have the rest of the year it's it's built into it that we have good morals we have kindness and love and charity and 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 that and that there's a spirit of of helping and serving and blessing the way heaven's going to be for all of eternity we we get this little taste and for us as Christians we press in on the whole truth of it and it is fulfilling but for the rest of the world, they get the sprinkle, but never the rain. They smell the brownies, but never get to eat them. <laughs> they know there's angels about. They may have them hanging around their house and burning candles out of the top of their head and hanging on their tree. But God with them, they don't get that. They don't get the Emmanuel, God with us wise men still seek him I love that so Jesus came and he is the bridge through his sacrifice to be able to bring us unto heaven for eternity bring us into fellowship with God for all of eternity bring us into a kingdom where angels are roundabout, about where there's no pain no sorrow no suffering to be absent from this body is to be present with the Lord and forever we have Christmas we have an eternal kingdom of God forever and ever. In John 1.12, it says in the first verses that he came to his own, his own did not receive him. But then he says in John 1.12, but as many as received him, to them he gave right to become children of God, to those who believe in his name. Whoever would just say, open their hearts and say, whatever this Jesus stuff is, I want it. I want him. I am a sinner. My sins are separating me from God. My sins are crashing my life. Maybe people don't notice but there's sins of my mind that are tormenting me. There's sins of addiction that are sinking me. There's sins of wanting no relationship and wanting to be selfish and self-centered. That's destroying my marriage, my kids. My life, we come back to this moment in time. What does God want unto us, a child born, unto us, a son given? What does God want as many? God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten Son. What does he want as many as receive him? Yes, what he taught. Yes, his morals. Yes, his values. Yes, his way. He is the way, he is the truth. He is the life. I want to walk as Jesus walked his life. I want to listen to his truth. And when men in this culture, in the society, and what I learn in school or here in the news or whatever is different from the truth of the Bible, I reject all other truth and receive this son, his truth, as the truth in which I guide my life. God loves the world. That's why he gave his son. Whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. God did not send his son in the world to condemn the world, as the world tells you repeatedly, but that the world might be saved. In John 3, 36, he who believes in the son has everlasting life. Wow, so simple, isn't it? But it has to be done. It cannot not be done. He goes on to say, and he who does not believe the son shall not see life. But the wrath of God abides on him. We are all sinners, and the wages of our sin is death. Jesus took all those wages and put them upon his cro- on the cross and paid for those wages. So, if you want to believe in him, your wages have been paid. But if you're unwilling to believe in him, you're going to pay the wages yourself, which is eternal judgment, eternal damnation, perishing. You shall perish. In John 14, 6, once again, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. God gave his Son that whoever would believe in the Son and the sacrifice which he gave, he was buried and rose again. Then now the Father can receive you through his Son to himself unto everlasting life. Lord, we thank you for your word today, and we do ask in Jesus' name that we at least can go and tell the world like the shepherds did (laughs) the truth of unto us. It's for us, every single person individually. God Almighty who created the heavens and the earth gave you a gift. He has stopped the whole world in its tracks and started redating the world. Every time we write 2022, we're saying 2022 years ago, God gave the gift of his son that we might have life. Not to condemn us, but that we might, through believing him, have eternal life. If you're here today and you've never received Christ, just cry out in your heart, God, I am a sinner and I do need a savior. I can't pay for my own sins. I know this, but you've paid for my sins, and I believe, I receive, I trust in that fact that you died, but yet after being buried, you rose again the third day, as the scripture says. By simply believing in faith alone, I believe you're writing my name in the book of life right now, that I have the ultimate gift of eternal life, even as I die I shall not die I shall live again for all of eternity and Lord we just ask today that you would cause all of us to leave here truly experiencing Christmas and the joy of the truth of what this moment this month this few weeks before is to bring about that we wouldn't be grasping at the smoke we wouldn't be trying to make a mill out of uh out of cotton balls, (laughs) cotton candy, that we would have the substance of Christ himself. And in you, Jesus, every day we would live and move and have your being. In Jesus' name, amen.